We are in uh, week six of uh, this series called Sermon on the Mount. And the reason why it's called Sermon on the Mount is because it's Sermon on the Mount in the Bible. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of weight uh, I feel and, and Pastor Terry feels as he actually began this sermon series uh, preaching a message that Jesus already preached. I mean, you look at uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's all red letters, and it's Jesus. And uh, obviously, the, uh, the disciple Matthew, tax collector, uh, someone who's really, really good at keeping records, obviously, as a tax collector, um, he, uh, he, he uh, put these words uh, down as, as, as Jesus shared these, um, shared these words. And, and many biblical scholars believe this Sermon on the Mount really wasn't just a one-time sermon. This is sort of a, a sermon that that Jesus preached quite, quite often, and, and, and some, of these, um, uh, some of these sort of truths you'll, you'll find, um, you know, e- even in uh, other, other Gospels. But this Sermon on the Mount really is a, a full collection of, of truths that you and I could, could use. And uh, we started off the, uh, the series with the Beatitudes, and uh, if, you're, if you're going through stuff, read the first part of Matthew chapter 5. I mean, Jesus, Jesus goes right there, and he says, hey, if, you, if you're going through stuff, hey, I feel you. I know what you're going through. So there's some great stuff in there for you. Week two, we talked about salt and light, how believers not maybe be salt and light, but you are salt and light. You are the light of the world. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, and with that salt and light, uh, salt uh, does lots of things like what we use every day in our, in our life. Salt brings flavor uh, to, uh, to this world. It, um, it also brings thirst to people. They want to thirst for what you have. And, uh, but it also brings healing. Salt brings healing. Our words bring healing. The, the words of God bring healing. And you carry that healing inside of you. And also light. Uh, light is, a, uh, is something that we should be, and it's basically a reflection of the sun, just like the moon. The moon is just simply a reflection of the sun. We should be a reflection of the sun, S-O-N. And then we moved into the last, uh, uh, the next couple of weeks, we uh, talked about um, examples of righteousness. And uh, Jesus, uh, he takes things a little bit further. Than what, the, than what the commandments were or the, what was in the law. Like, you know, you, you've heard it said, don't, don't commit murder. You've heard it said, um, don't commit adultery. And, you know, uh, there's many people who walk in this life who, who haven't, they've never done that. And they're like, hey, that's, that's pretty easy. I've got those commandments down pretty good. But Jesus takes it a step further and says, hey, um, not only do you, are you not supposed to murder, but you're not also not to have anger. You're also not to look at a person, look at a woman uh, lustfully because that's the same, way, same thing as adultery. And so Jesus really takes it from the, the surface level actions and brings it down to the heart of the matter, what's really in the heart. And that's what this Sermon on the Mount really, really is. And then last week, uh, Jesus moved. He took a shift from the things we should, um, we should not be doing to the things we should be doing, but still with the right heart attitude. He focused on things, uh, the three things, giving, praying, and fasting. 
giving, praying, and fasting. And, uh, and those are things we should be doing as, as believers. And as we do those things, but we also need to be doing it with the right heart and make sure none of that is done to bring attention to ourselves. And you can also just listen uh, on your podcast if you want to uh, go to Lake Point uh, Church podcast or, or go to our website, lakepointonline.com. You can listen or watch any of these sermons. And so that way you can kind of get an idea of kind of where we're going, uh, where we've been, and then where we're going. So today's message, message asks this question, uh, what do you treasure? What do you treasure? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. So if you want to get your copy of God's Word or your digital copy of God's Word, we have the, uh, the scripture on the screen. And, um, but we're going to spend just a little bit of time on just a few verses today. We're going to be in verses 19, 19 through 24. And, uh, and so we're going to begin there with verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6. And it simply says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and vermin, another word for vermin is rust, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. So it begins here by saying that money and possessions are not dependable. They're just not dependable. They're easily, they're easily, you know, they're easily ruined. I mean, clothing, I mean, I, how many, of you, how many of you had, how many of you had clothing that just just didn't work anymore? You know? Like, I mean, I'm not saying that like you grew out of it, you know. But I'm like, there was a rip. You know? I mean, it was like what three weeks ago, and I was out, in, in town, and I have these jeans that I just, you know, you have those favorite pair of jeans you just wear every day, right? And um, and I, just, I there's there's a pair, pair of favorite jeans that just they fit me great, and I just I wear them every day. And I, I something fell out my truck and. And I was putting some stuff in, and I, I've been down to, to pick it up. And man, my whole bottom just ripped. The whole jean just boom. And I was like, whoa. And I felt a draft. And I'm like, what was that? You know, it's been a long time. And I, you know, you kind of check, right? And, and you're like, holy cow, that's big. And I had a meeting to go to. So I'm like, what do I do now? I mean, I, 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 mean, I can go home. But it, it's not enough time for me to go home to get another pair of jeans. I can go to the store, but how do I go into a store, right, and, and, and do that? And, you know, and, and maybe I can wrap up, you know, something around me, but then I kind of look, you know, whatever. And so I'm like, you know, so I just called and said, hey, I, I need to, you know, maybe meet a little bit later or something. They, they obliged by that. But, you know, our clothes just don't last, they don't last. Um, metal objects, things in our life, they, ju- they, they rust. Things happen uh, to where uh, thieves come in and steal. If you've ever had anything stolen from you, okay? Students, you probably had things stolen out of your lockers or whatever, okay? We've had some of our kids, someone steal their, their phone or whatever. I mean, just Things just don't last. Um, and it could even be with disasters. I remember when my big mama, my grandmother, uh, she lived in Houston, and uh, uh, she lived right um, kind of next to a bayou behind her house. And she lived there for 60 years, never flooded in her house, except when uh, Tropical Storm Harvey or Hurricane Harvey came. And she had six feet of water in her house. Six feet of water. 
And I remember we actually took a team down there several years ago to uh, kind of do some other work. I, I have a lot of connections here in Houston being from there. And, and, and I remember going to my grandmother's house. And she was safe, and she, they got her out of there. But I remember going to her house. And she, like I said, she lived there for 60 years. My dad grew up there. And I could take hold of the, the post of the, the, the front porch. And this house was on a concrete slab even. And I could just do like this to shake the post and the whole house shook. And it's like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. So even things, I mean, even when you're in a place for six years and she lost so much stuff. And it was really interesting, after all that happened, she started being, um, started looking at this idea of God loving her, Jesus coming for her. Uh, she started reading the Bible. Uh, we were able to, to you know, to, to share Christ with her. And uh, she would say her prayers every night. And, and God really got a hold of her heart even through that, through that uh, you know, uh, uh, bad disaster on our, on our house. But it just goes to show you things just don't last. And with me, I mean, I just lose stuff. Have you ever, have you ever lost things? Okay. I mean, I lose stuff all the time, all the time. It's like, where did I put that thing? Where did, where did that thing go, you know? And, um, and I, I probably have had lots of money of tools that have just gone, you know? It's like, where, maybe I borrowed that from, you know, or let somebody borrow that or something. I can't remember. The older I get, the more I'm like, you know, I'll just lose things. But this, things just don't last. And so Jesus' meaning here, when he talks about this, is not a, is is about the hearts and the motivations of God's people. When he says, "Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth," now this does not mean Christians should never have any money, or own any property, or that they cannot have a bank account. That's not what he's saying at all. Is that what he's saying? In fact, the Apostle Paul would teach later on in the, Old, in the New Testament how we should be good stewards of our money and, and we, should have, um, we should provide for our families and walk in wisdom. But wealth is like any other blessing from God and can be used according to his purpose. But what is dangerous is becoming dependent on worldly wealth. We can't be dependent on that, crossing the line into greed and materialism. So Jesus talks about, as we look at where is your treasure, Jesus talked about in that verse things that are perishable, things that will not last. But then in the next verse, in verse 20, Jesus moves into things that are imperishable. And it says this in verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So how did, how did Jesus mean for his followers to store up rewards in heaven? How do you store up rewards in heaven? And he's spoken this about a few times early in the Sermon on the Mount. These have included being persecuted. Blessed are, blessed, blessed. Okay, as you walk through things. Uh, giving, we talked about that last week. Giving to the needy, praying and fasting while not calling attention to yourself. In short, God's re God rewards his people when they lead lives of sincere devotion and worship to him. Rewards from God are more than just experiencing his favor in a moment of this life. 
Jesus has in mind something other than being allowed into heaven. So in other words, you know, the Christian life isn't, hey, you get a free, you get a free uh, trip into heaven. Okay? That's like me saying, hey, here's a, here's a free ticket to Disney World. You can go to Disney World and um, you can walk around, but you cannot ride any rides. Now, some people will be fine with that. Some of y'all probably go to Disney World and just walk around. I don't know why you do that, but you do. Okay? Um, but but why, why would I give you a ticket that gets you into Walt Disney World, but you cannot ride any rides? That's crazy. And so... Jesus is basically saying the same thing. You know, when you accept me as Savior, when, when you trust in me and you go to heaven, and you're, there's so much there. There's so many rewards that we are going to have. And the Bible really doesn't go into a whole lot of details. It's just going to kind of wait and see. And so, but it's more than just a free ticket, there's so many things we will experience in heaven and so many rewards that will be there. So, you can also, besides these ways I've talked about, you can also store up heavenly treasures through the church, through what you're doing here in the church. There are people watching online either live or, or later, or maybe they're listening, that are being blessed and encouraged by the ministry of what you're doing. Our ministry center on 4th Street, people are being blessed within our church and outside of our church. There are, there are people who, are, who, who aren't even in our church, who haven't stepped foot in our church, that go to the ministry center for things such as grief share and other ministry opportunities. And so you, because you give to that, because you, you know, your faithful giving helps with that, it provides for things such as helping people along their life and, and helping people to follow Jesus, which is eternal. Now, that building is not eternal. That building is going to go away in the end of this life, and hopefully sooner, when we build phase one and phase two and so on. But, but when people can go to a place like that and you invite people to hear the gospel, you are doing eternal things because people are eternal. The word of God is eternal. When you combine the word of God, your testimony, which is eternal, and people, then you're doing eternal things. You are storing up for he in heaven rewards. And I know that's not the reason why we do that, but... It's nice to know that Jesus will be giving us rewards. So Jesus then moves, uh, he, he basically sums this up into sort of a treasure principle. In other words, so remember, we're talking about where is your treasure. He sums that up there in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I believe, and this is a very famous verse, I believe this verse sums up not only this whole section, I think it sums up the entire Sermon on the Mount. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, our, a person's priorities are reflected by two sets of records, a checkbook and an appointment book. Now, those might be old ways of seeing, doing that. Che uh, kids, uh, we used to have checkbooks, checks. 
we'd write on them and we'd keep a record of that and we'd put that down and you probably, uh, I know we're kind of moving away from that. I don't carry a checkbook. I can't remember the last time I wrote a check. Um, but um, Suzanne kind of does a lot of that. But so we have the checkbook or you just want to look at your bank account. If you look at your bank account or appointment book, you know, we used to keep these things called planners. You know, and we'd rewrite them down and, and everything. But now we just put them in our phone or put them on our computer or whatever. But you just look at your calendar, look at your bank statement, and you can see where your treasure is, where your treasure lies. Where a person spends their money and their time is proof of what they truly value. So this, this important verse here, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You know, most people in the audience grew up believing, and remember, in the audience, back then, 2,000 years ago, the Jewish people, they believed what mattered most to God was performance, action, behavior, and words. Because remember, it was all about obeying the law. It was all about actions. It wasn't really about the heart. And Jesus, with the New Testament, he was, and with the gospel message, he was ushering in to the heart of the matter to the heart of the matter. And so this is all new stuff for them. So what Christ has been teaching is that God cares most about what his people are thinking and feeling. Righteous actions matter, but are, but are truly righteous only when accompanied by a devoted heart. Attitudes towards wealth matter because our hearts are owned by whatever we consider our treasure. Now, just know this. This sort of treasure principle doesn't just stop at wealth. It doesn't just stop at wealth. There could be some things in your life that you treasure. Maybe there's a certain car that you treasure. You know, maybe there's, there's a house, you know, you, you treasure. Or a certain hobby you treasure, or whatever. And so, as you look back on your life, and as you look back on your, on your, on your calendar and your, and your bank account, go back and see, what have I spent my time on? What have I spent my money on? And you can see what you treasure. Now, again, I'm not saying that having a house and Having a, having a certain car or, or if you have, you know, things that you enjoy doing, you know, recreational vehicles or, or those kinds of things or hobbies or you like to garden. I mean, those are fine. Those are fine. But as we're going to get to here in a little bit, there, there could be and a lot of times there are competing things going on in our hearts. And that's really what Jesus is going to. So the first thing we see in this passage, in this section of Sermon on the Mount, is where is your treasure? The second area we see, and there's three of them, is where is your focus? So it talked about where is your treasure and then where is your focus? And we read this in verses 22 through 23. And it says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, 
How great is that darkness? So Jesus calls the eye the lamp of the body. Kind of makes sense. This is, this is true physically even, of course. All the light by which we see the world is, is perceived by using our eyes. Healthy eyes capture all the available light, giving that person a clear understanding of the world around them. Symbolically, functioning eyes allow the mind and body to be full of light. And we were seeing this a little bit within this room. There's two different areas of light and darkness. When I look at you, uh, I can't see uh, everybody that's in here, okay? I, I see people, I see bodies, I see maybe different colors of clothes, okay? Um, I don't see you when you yawn, so it's okay if you yawn. That's, I get it, that's understand. I probably yawn too. But, uh, but the other, the other uh, sort of area in this room is on the stage, and it's, the stage is lit up. And so your eyes are seeing me clearly and everything else clearly, unless your eyes are shut. And, um, and if your neighbor's eyes are shut, just give them a little bit of nudge, and that'll be great. But so you can see better than I can because there's more light. And it's the same way spiritually as well. Same way spiritually. The mind and thoughts, our awareness of the outside world depends on the light being perceived by the eyes. So Jesus notes also the reverse is true. Faulty eyes don't perceive and transmit light. So scripture often uses light as a metaphor for truth, goodness, and understanding. Focusing hope and aspirations on temporary earthly treasures indicates greed or lack of faith in God to provide. So what makes the spiritual eyes blind or unhealthy? What makes a spiritual eye blind or unhealthy? In the context of Jesus' metaphor, serving money instead of serving God causes a person's spiritual eye to be blind. The result is inner darkness. So what you focus on reveals your treasure. What you focus on reveals your treasure. If you're constantly focused or worried about getting more money, getting accepted by others, being successful in your job, or filling your time with meaningless scrolling on your phone, then it will be difficult to see the vision God has for your life. Y'all, this concept is huge. This concept is huge. What we see with our eyes, what we focus on, reveals who has our heart or what has our heart. It does. And so as we focus on things such as our phones and what either other people could be saying about us or 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 how we're accepted by others, or just simply spending hours on the phone just meanly scrolling, that right there is a focus, too much of a focus, on other things other than God. And the same way with, same way with our, our, our jobs, same way with even things we worry about, 
If we spend our time worrying about certain things, and if we're constantly looking at worries and worries and worries and how we're going to make this bill and how we're going to do this and and our cars broke down and and all this, how are we going to do this? And you're constantly looking at that. Guess what? You're not going to see the light that Jesus is trying to show you. Look, I've got something over here for you. We just sang about that earlier. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. And if you don't think a car that's broke down or a job that's not paying the bills or a health diagnosis, if you don't think that's a battle, then you're wrong. There are so many battles in our life. We think of the big, big battles in our life. No, even the little things. Because it seems like the little things, the little problems and troubles and and frustrations in our life is the one that steals our attention the most. And as we look at those things, we're looking into dark things. It's like me looking at you right now because I can't see you. I'm looking into the dark. But you... You and I, we need to look at the light. Look at the light. Through prayer, through coming to church, being, being uh, encouraged by others, going into the word of God. God, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When you are going through stuff, look to the word of God. That needs to be your focus. Instead of all these other things. And listen, I'm just like you. It's easy to focus on those problems. It's easy to focus on those things that are staring right in front of you. When you can't pay the bills, when you're not, when, when, when things aren't going well at work or in your family or in relationships, I get it. I understand. But you got to stop looking at that. You gotta stop focusing on that. Move that out of the way and look beyond that to the cross, to Jesus who wants to help you with that. He wants to provide for you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to help you. And he will. He will help you. Even when you think you're all alone. Just uh, a couple of days ago, um, we had uh, Marion was riding with Caroline. They're actually here today. Let me use this as an example. They're riding, and uh, Caroline is uh, our son Lawson's girlfriend. We love Caroline. She's sweet. And um, Marion was riding with her, and those girls just, you know, going to Kennesaw and just whatever. They, I don't know where they went. But there, the Caroline's car wasn't, wasn't doing well, and, and it was overheating, and she'd stop and, and uh, put new antifreeze in it, which actually, that's very impressive for a girl, college girl, to know how to just put an antifreeze in there and just take care of herself. That's just how Caroline rolls. And, um, but it got to the point where they had to stop and stop and stop, and, and ultimately, they, they stopped right here at the Emerson exit, and they pulled over um, to the side there off the interstate, and, um, and so they had, a, they had to uh, kind of look at the car again. And so they, they got out, they were looking at the car, and, and a car pulled up in front of them and uh, got out. And a man got out and said, hey, do you need some help? Of course, they're like, great, we're going to get kidnapped. 
you know, I just, you know, I'm, I'm too young to die, those kind of thoughts going through their mind. But this gentleman um, helped, helped them greatly and then helped them kind of get over to Quick Trip and, and her mom was able to uh, meet up there and, and everything. And, and, uh, and, and it just goes to show you that uh, this gentleman uh, actually, Marion asked me, hey, do you know this guy and his name? And, and, uh, and I was like, I think, I think so, but I, I'm not really sure. And sure enough, I, I do know him. And I reached out on Facebook and I said, hey, thank you so much for, for helping my daughter and, and Caroline uh, uh, get, get back to safety. And, um, but one question that I asked his girls, okay, um, why didn't you call me? Why didn't you call me? Now, we're grateful that somebody else came and helped them, but they could have called me, and I could have gone and helped them and helped bring the car to, to a shop and everything and stuff. And, and they're like, yeah, we should have done that and, and, and everything. Uh, maybe they think I just don't know stuff, and, and that's understandable. That's fine, um, that I wouldn't know what I was doing because evidently Caroline had it uh, under control. Um, and so, because she was, you know, kept stopping the car and everything. But I say all that as an example because we get in this life and we just like to figure out, okay, I think I can, I can handle this. Yeah, there's, there's things going on in my life. There's a battle that I'm facing. And, um, and we just like to sort of do it on our own. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm right here. I'm right here. Look to me. I'm here to help you. Look to me. It doesn't matter how small the problem is. Because if it matters to you, it matters to him. It matters to him. So we talked about where's your treasure, where's your focus. And the last thing we look at is who are you serving? Who are you serving? We look at two different masters, and we look at this in verse 24, and this is the last verse we're going to look at today. Chapter 6, verse 24 says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I would put another a few more things there. Maybe, maybe money isn't something that, that, that you serve. But whatever you put first in front of God, that could be what you're serving. You cannot serve both God and blank, whatever that is. Yourself, right? Your own desires. Your pride. You know, wh- whatever it is. But... But Jesus is saying, you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot have two masters. What, what he is saying is one cannot place ultimate priority on both at the same time. So scripture puts us in a context of servanthood. It, it, it doesn't work for a servant to be co-owned by two independent masters. Okay? This is why such a thing is not practiced. Okay? The servant can only prioritize one or the other. Now, they might be loyal in a sense to both, but separate masters will command the servant in different competing directions. Why? Because they have their own influence, their own, their own purpose. And so they're going to command those servants in two prioritizing different directions. 
The servant can only prioritize one or the other. And as a result, the servant will naturally grow to hate or despise one of the masters while growing to love and to be devoted, devoted to the other. It's just natural. You cannot serve to masters. Those who surrender themselves to following Jesus become servants of God for life. Those who prioritize building wealth for themselves or other things in your life on earth surrender themselves to slave of materialism. So as slaves depend on their masters to provide everything that is needed, those devoted to money or to God also depend on their respective masters to provide for them. So think of it this way. You have a servant who is serving a master. That servant has certain jobs he's going to do. But that servant doesn't provide for his own. He depends on his master to provide for his basic needs. The same way with our masters. The one you serve is the one you're going to depend upon to provide for your needs. You serve your job, guess what? You're going to depend on your job to provide for your needs. You serve the Lord, you focus on the Lord, and yes, you're going to work, absolutely. But if you focus on the Lord, you're going to depend upon Him to provide for your needs. It doesn't matter what's happening in the job. It doesn't matter. Because ultimately, you don't work for them anyway. You, you work for the Lord. You work to please the Lord. And when you, when you serve God as a master, and you, and you depend upon him as the Jehovah Jireh, the, the God who provides, it doesn't matter what's happening in all of this stuff over here. It just doesn't matter. All of this can change. It doesn't matter. All of this can get all jacked up in this world. All of it. It can go to pot. It can go to, you know, you can lose all this stuff. It doesn't matter. But if you're serving Jesus and you're dependent upon him, then that's who you, that's who you see as one who will provide. Are you dependent? Are you focused on other things to provide for your needs? Who are you serving? Because just like we, we, we saw in this illustration, your two masters, you cannot have two of them. Some of you may have two, three, four, several. But even if you just have two masters, you cannot serve both of them because they're going in different directions. They're going in different directions. Now, you need, you need to work at your job. You need to be on time. You need to be, be dependable. Okay? You need to act like Jesus. You need to respect. You need to do the best you can. You could be a witness at work. Absolutely, all of those things. But that's just a job. Okay? You could take care of your house. You could mow your lawn. You could paint. You could keep it clean. You could do. But you don't worship your house. You don't, you don't serve your house. You, you, you serve God. Because that house can go away like that. And so, we need to check our hearts to see if there's more than one master in our 
hearts. So, as we close, Jesus is saying that a, a person sincerely serving God will not organize their lives around acquisition of wealth or certain hobbies or your, or your uh, possessions or the fun things you do. And, and I'm not saying you can't, have, you can't have fun. You can't do things because God wants you to, God wants you to enjoy Okay, but we got to be so close walking with Jesus that Jesus says, hey, I need you to put that aside. Or hey, I need you to sell that. Or hey, I need you to give it away. Because he might just do that. (laughs) And you know what? I would rather be walking with Jesus and not have anything in this world. Because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Now, you may say, Pastor Frank, I don't, I don't have much money, so I guess I'm not materialistic. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of wealth. So I guess this sermon really isn't for me. Well, it's more than just about wealth. It's really the, the, the principle of, of firsts. What is first in your life? What is first in your life? Who are you putting first? When you wake up in the morning, is this first? Or is this first? It's as simple as that. Which one? (laughs) Which one is your master? You can often tell by which one you put first in your life. Look at your time. Look at your calendar. Who are you putting first? Look at your bank account. Who are you putting first? When you get paid, compensated, what's the first 10% going to? Is it going to your mortgage? Is it going to your hobbies? What is it going to? Because if it's not going to God, it's not first. And let me tell you something. God is, God is not second. He's not. He's first. He's, he is preeminent. He is first. First. And so, I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to do a, a check in your soul in your spirit, look at, your, look at where you're spending your time, your money. You've got to see where is my heart because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. What you put first, that's your heart. It is. What you put first, your money, your time, your energy, your focus, all of that. So these aren't my words. This isn't, this isn't my principle. This is godly principle. I just get the joy, I guess, of, of sharing that. But, you know, Jesus' teaching is hard. It is. But he does it because he loves us. Just like back then, it was hard for them to listen to that, to 
But Jesus does it in love. He loves you. He just has plans for you. And those plans involve you coming to him for provision instead of anything you can do on your own strength or time or money. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. As we just have this moment, we all, including myself, oh my goodness, I just, even preparing the sermon and just talking up here, I mean, I'm, I'm convicted, but that's what the word of God does. It convicts. It doesn't condemn. It convicts so that we can make some changes in our life. So search your life right now. Search your heart. You probably know some things that you're putting first, whether in your money and your time, your energy, your focus. What is it that you are putting first instead of God? And just confess that to him right now. God, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry for putting that first. It's going to be scary, but help me, Father, to, to put you first. Help me to put you first. It's going to be tough. I've got to lay my life down. I've got to be a living sacrifice. Help me, Jesus, to do that. And if there's someone here today or watching online or listening, you're, you've never put Jesus first ever, and it's time You've been thinking about it. The Holy Spirit's been knocking on your heart's door, and it's time. It's time to put him first. You could just simply say, Father, I surrender my life to you. I lay aside all the things, and I'm putting you first. Please forgive me my sin. Come into my life. I need you. I need you, God. I need you to provide for me. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, um, we do want to encourage you to come back next week. We're super excited about the, um, what we're doing next week. So next week, things are going to be pretty different in this room. There's going to be tables. There's going to be chairs. And um, we, uh, we're not even going to have like a, a regular worship service. In fact, this curtain will probably be closed. Uh, and we're going to be down here on the floor. And we are going to be doing some really cool things uh, next Sunday. And it's uh, basically family to family. And what that is, it is connecting our church family to families uh, who have lost loved ones in, um, in, uh, while serving our country or even to loved ones who are serving our country uh, now and uh, just to give them some encouragement. So we're going to have uh, things for kids to color and uh, we're going to have note cards for you to write and uh, we're partnering with some other organizations where we can send those uh, to those families or to those service men, men and women. And uh, so you don't want to miss it as part of Memorial Day weekend and we're obviously going to have a message uh, um, with that as well. And so invite some friends and family uh, for that. We, we've never done this before. And so we're just going um, to do that and just, uh, and just bless some people. So we, we encourage you to come and uh, join us. And we'll pick back up with Sermon on the Mount uh, two weeks from today. Uh, but we, uh, we love you guys. And if you're going out of town, uh, we encourage you to have a safe trip. And if you're not going out of town, come join us on Sunday. Love you guys. We'll see you all next week. Thank you so much. Thank you.